Hi, this is Sean Osborne, and welcome to the first episode of Libertarian Los Angeles. This podcast is going to mostly focus on, you know, libertarian issues in the Los Angeles or California area. But, you know, if I get an opportunity to interview somebody from wherever around the country that agrees with libertarians or might be a good conversation, I will have them on the podcast. Um, on today's episode, we'll be having Tal Zayed. He's a restaurant owner here in Lincoln Heights, and I want to talk to him about what it's like to run a business, open a business in Los Angeles during the best of times. And then I want to see what it's been like for him right now since the coronavirus lockdowns have really put a hurt on things. So um, he's the owner of uh, uh, Mazel. Um, it's an Israeli-style uh, vegetarian restaurant here in Lincoln Heights, and um, it's a really nice place, so I'd like to see what he thinks about everything. And so we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back with Tal Zayed from Mazel. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to Libertarian Los Angeles. Please take the time to like, subscribe, follow, or whatever it is called wherever you're listening so that you can find out when we release new episodes. Also, please take the time to listen to our other podcasts on the network. A Progressive and a Libertarian Walk Into a Bar is our flagship podcast where Fernie Sanders and I talk about politics while we drink beer from a progressive and a libertarian point of view. Sometimes we agree, sometimes we don't, but we always drink beer. And then there's the Liberty Blues, where we talk about politics from uh, mostly a libertarian point of view. My friend Steve, he's an independent, uh, so, and my friend John, he's a little bit left libertarian, and uh, I'm just a libertarian. So you can uh, come, come check us out there, and uh, like I said, please rate, review, and all that other good stuff. And uh, if you'd like to contact us um, on Twitter, at Our Liberty Blues, and the Progressive Libertarian is at PNL Podcast, and you can email us at PNLPodcast at gmail.com. And on Facebook, a Progressive and a Libertarian walk into a bar. Now back to the show. This is Sean Osborne, and I'm here with uh, Tal Zayed. This is the first episode of Libertarian Los Angeles. Uh, Tal is a restaurant owner here in uh, Lincoln Heights in Los Angeles County. So we're going to talk to him about how uh, what it's like to open up a restaurant under the best of times, uh, <laughs> and now what it's like to deal with you know having a business uh, during the uh, coronavirus lockdowns and stuff. So hi, Tall. Welcome welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming and talking to us. Hey, Sean. No, thank you for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, so so can you tell, uh, I guess, yeah, let's just start off with talking about what, what kind of uh, process is it? Because he was, Tall was ready to open up his restaurant, Mazel, um, before the coronavirus. He was setting up for it. You know, I was looking forward to it for quite some time. Yeah. And the virus hit and set everything back. So say the virus hadn't come up, what was it like to uh, get started opening a well, restaurant? If, well, if it wasn't for the virus, we probably would have been on pace to open in like mid-April. 
I had to submit like one, one additional set of plans to the city, to uh, Los Angeles Building and Safety, specifically to the electrical department. And uh, that was maybe like the first or second week of March. And then the pandemic hit and everything got locked down. And then my plans were basically lost in building and safety until like July, August. Like it was, it, it went completely dark for, you know, yeah. four or five months. I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what the process was like, but, but we can get into the whole coronavirus of it in a little bit, but um, yeah, opening, opening a restaurant in, in LA. Uh, I mean, I've only opened a restaurant in Los Angeles, but from what I've heard from some of my family around the country and all over the place that um it's much more difficult to open anything here as opposed to anywhere else. And, you know, I've, I have a number of different like small anecdotes as to, you know, what makes it a little bit more challenging. Um, mm -hmm. I can kind of get into like one or two that I can remember off the top of my head. Um, That'd be great. If you're interested. Yeah. So, so yeah. Like one thing, for example, well, first I should say, this is a project that was started by my father in 2015. Uh, he wanted to apply to do a change of use from uh, a warehouse to the, to a restaurant. Um, uh -huh. So this was his space originally that he was using for his uh, hardwood flooring business. He does like basketball courts and gym floors and things like that. Uh -huh. And um, the whole process to get a change of use that took three, four years in and of itself. I joined the fight in Shit. 2018. Yeah, I joined the fight in 2018 to try and like push it through to the finish line, which is where we're at today. Um, uh -huh. But but you know you have to jump through all sorts of hoops and you have to hit these deadlines of like. Um, you know, you only have a certain amount of months before, you know, permits expire or whatever. And then, you know, once they do, you have to pay another, you know, $1,500, $2,000 fee just to get it reprocessed through the city once again. And, and all sorts of stuff like that, that was, you know, quite discouraging, but, you know, it's not like we really have a choice on that. Um, mm -hmm. now, especially because, you know, we were also doing the project completely ourselves. My dad and I did all the construction. Now he's a general contractor. So we figured, you know, we can do it our own, we can do it on our own. So why not? Um, yeah. so everything from the electrical to the plumbing, all sorts of stuff we did by ourselves. Now, the first thing that I can, that comes to mind is like, you know, there's a, um, in California specifically, so it's not just specific to LA, there's uh, this title 24, um, law, which I don't know if you're familiar with, but it's the, the purpose of it is to, is for energy conservation. You know, mm -hmm. they want, um, they want businesses essentially, not just restaurants specifically, but businesses to use less power, which, you know, yeah. I understand the, uh, the goal of that. And I, you know, it makes sense to me, but in order to comply with title 24, you need to have certain things in place, like a, a lighting control panel, for example. And what a lighting control panel is, is a system that hooks up directly to like your, your, um, your, uh, uh what's it called? The electrical box. And uh -huh. it shuts off your power on based on a certain schedule. Now, what this is for is for like massive industrial buildings that have, you know, hundreds of units and stuff like that. So they don't use power when nobody's in there. Um, mm -hmm. But they essentially force, you know, they force us to comply with these certain, um, uh, I guess you could call them, I don't know, with these certain rules, basically, as if we were a massive building. So that in and of itself, the lighting control panel costs somewhere between $1,500, $2,000. Then you have to find someone who's Title 24 compliant to come in and certify that you're also using a Title 24 like uh, system on your on your box, which is another um, that was like $1,500 in and of itself. And then on top of that, you also have to get a new set of title 24 plans. You have to find an electrical engineer who's also able to like figure out all the rules of what title 24, you know, means and to, and to, and to get an electrical engineer to do a new set of plans is another couple thousand dollars. So at this point, you know, I'm kind of just rounding and doing an estimate. You're we're like yeah. $5,000 in the hole just to conserve power, which I get, but just so we don't leave the lights on at the end of the day. The, 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 the panel, 
the panel is literally just so lights aren't aren't on when there's nobody in the restaurant. Uh -huh. So, you know, you would think any logical business owner would want to not <laughs> keep the power running and, you know, would want to do whatever it takes to cut costs. I'm never going to leave the restaurant without the lights turned off, you know? Right. So basically it was a whole, you know, and, and all that also pushed us back a couple of weeks and months stuff just we mm -hmm. at the end of the day would be uh, compliant with title 24 and, you know, spend another five, $6,000 with, for a box that between you and me and all the listeners, I don't even use, I, I, I shut it off from the, from the panel. Cause it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. You know, if I yeah. need to go into the restaurant at five in the morning for something and the, and the, the lighting control panel means that, you know, all the lights are turned off, then I can't turn the lights on without going to the panel and switching it off. So kind of a long story and just one little anecdote, but, uh, but that's just one of the many, many different, um, you know, restrictions and hurdles that you kind of have to go through and you don't really have a choice. You know, there's no logical pushback. Yeah, that, that would be what I'd put into the category of uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. You know, they <laughs> they quite often don't think about the, you know, you can be responsible for yourself. We don't need government to nanny everything. Uh, exactly. And yeah, they don't leave it up to there. I, those arbitrary laws that just really raise the price on somebody to open up a business. And then mm -hmm. they wonder why. Easier ones that you can get, you know, to get a full right. liquor license. I didn't even want to begin to tackle that process. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, there were certain things like, you know, we, we I, have to, I had to go to a city hearing, like a literal hearing where I go sit in front of like a, uh, I don't know what his position was, just somebody at like the city planner's office, basically, and, and basically plead my case, like, why does my restaurant, you know, why should I bring beer and wine into the restaurant? And, you know, I had to basically sell him on the idea that like, this is something that the community wants and needs and like a local watering hole and everything. And, and uh, it was literally like, you know, I was kind of just convincing this man that my business would be better and would be a better asset to the city if it had beer and wine. Um, luckily, when I was there, I didn't get much pushback from him, but there was another restaurant pleading their case and they got a lot of pushback from uh, anti-gentrification anti groups that like came and sat at these meetings and were just kind of there literally to, to push back on businesses who wanted to develop in certain areas so that that might be a little off topic of uh of, of our conversation i was actually going to ask you about that too <laughs> okay because <laughs> i, well, I, cause well, I know good. there's a lot of people in the area hating on uh different places for opening up uh yeah. you know something different in the neighborhood or something like that as if uh people are taking over the neighborhood so yeah yeah no i yeah. get i get a lot of i get a lot of people that not a lot uh, i could probably count it on two hands maybe since i've opened but people that have reached out to me and said you know what are you doing to lift up the members of, of, of Lincoln Heights? Or, or how, how are we going to be assured that you're not going to destroy this historic community? And <laughs> in my mind, no, literally those words yeah. too. I'm not exaggerating. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. I've seen it. I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in my mind, I'm like, I'm, I'm, First of all, I'm bringing jobs to the area. I'm hiring yeah, jobs, healthy, healthy food, healthy food. All my employees live within like a five minute radius. They all live in the area, you know, yeah. um, except for one who drives from Venice, but whatever, you know, out of majority of them are right here in the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and, and I can't, you know, I, I'm improving the area. I would think, you know, I, I understand the idea that it might improve the, the, the cost of living in the area, I guess, potentially, but you don't have to come to my restaurant, you know, yeah, if right. it's too expensive for you, you don't have to come and eat here, or drink here or anything. Yeah. As you said, your dad had the building before. It wasn't like you uh, ran somebody out of the spot. Exactly. Exactly. And that was also, you know, they, they're under the impression that I'm like, you know, this, this, this guy coming from like the West side or from Santa Monica or West <laughs> Hollywood or something. And that's literally the, you know, the, what the label that they use is like, you're coming from a different part of town into our neighborhood. It's like, excuse me. Yeah. I was, 
literally raised in this building, but you know, they kind of put, uh, slap a, uh, a label on the, on the, on the restaurant just because it's branded in a particular way. Yeah. 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 So was there any other like uh, major expenses that the, that the government had as if that wasn't enough, like between the, Oh, sure. You know, hiring. Sure. People? I mean, what, what, what kind of, you know, confused, not confused, but what really shined, shown, I don't know, displayed a light on a, on some, dare I say, incompetence at the local government level um, <laughs> uh-huh. was just, you know, one department, like the health department, would have a certain mm-hmm. set of rules that would be completely contradictory to another department, like the plumbing department. And, you know, they, the plumbing department would demand a certain type of sink or faucet rather be used, you know, in my three base sink. And I said, okay, great. Uh-huh. Since I had the plumbing inspection come first, I'm building towards, you know, getting approved by the plumbing department. So I installed yeah. that, um, that faucet, right? Then when the health department comes, they say, oh, this faucet won't work. You actually need, it needs to have an additional spout that has X, Y, and Z. And that has a, you know, a backflow device and that, you know, that basically won't Holy overflow shit. the system. Yeah. And I told him, I, I said, look, you know, on the plans, it has this other faucet because that's what the plumbing department requires. And they're like, well, you need to change it. Otherwise, you know, we can't approve you as the health department. So, uh, so basically shit. what, I mean, it wasn't that huge of a deal. Again, it's something that, you know, my father and I can do on our own. And at this point we're experienced plumbers. Well, yeah, you're lucky on- you could do that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the other thing, you know, and, and it's, the point is that like, you know, we have this ability, my dad and I are very lucky that we kind of have done construction our whole lives. And so we could pull this off. Uh-huh. But if you're just a guy or a chef, let's say, who wants to or- open a restaurant, you need to hire professionals for all this stuff. You know, you need yeah. to hire a plumber, you need to hire an electrician, you need to hire a general contractor. You need to make sure that all these people know what they're doing, that they're licensed and the costs rack up, you know, forget about yeah. the, the actual, the, the material cost, but the labor and, and time that goes into it is absurd. So yeah. you really need to be a jack of all trades to open a restaurant in LA uh, or be filthy rich and be swimming in money and be willing to like, you know, continue to pour it down the drain, no pun intended. Um, yeah. You, that's one of the things, you know, people give li- us libertarians hell because we want to deregulate things mm-hmm. and they say, oh, we just, you know, the trope is we just want people to die and stuff like that. You know, that's what we always <laughs> get up. Yeah. You don't care about people. And I was like, no, we do, we do care about people. We want to be able to open up a business without the government putting a stranglehold on them. You know, everybody oh, sure. should be able to open up a business. Oh, sure. And Here's they, a funny they make story it for you. Ter- terribly prohibitive in that. Absolutely. Sense. Absolutely. Yeah. So we wanted to we wanted to redo the concrete um in like the driveway slash alley. You know, so it it, it it used to be a driveway. Now it's where we do our outdoor seating or used to do yeah. our outdoor seating. Um, (laughs) and in order to do that, it it kind of like leads into the street, obviously. So we, we needed to repair this, the, the sidewalk. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so we had to, you know, take out a permit with building and safety and basically get approved to do so. And what, what, what we found out is that if we want to fix one patch of the sidewalk of the city's property, we Uh needed to fix the entire patch that's in front of the building. So we couldn't just do one, we couldn't just do one little, you know, 10 foot by whatever, 10 by 15 foot patch of concrete we needed to do 10 by 30 or 10 by 40 or something like that it was it was literally the whole you've been to the restaurant it's the whole yeah, width yeah. of the restaurant all that concrete oh, is brand new man. and it was done by us private citizens uh, uh and we had to do it for the city you know what i mean and yeah. all the permits and shutting down the street and i had to you know what i mean we had to hire people to come in and like kind of help us out it wasn't just my dad and i and because it's on city property we needed to expedite the job so we needed to make sure that whoever we were working with was had a, had like four days blocked off of dedicated work just with us uh-huh. um and then all the in, all the insurance headaches of dealing with you know oh my goodness if somebody comes and you know 
slips on whatever or needs to walk into the street to get through the road and and uh you know they're putting their lives in danger and it's kind of on us it's it's a terrifying process and we're also you know putting our necks on the line to fix the street you know to fix the city's property literally and um all so we could improve our business you know Uh plenty of things yeah yeah that's that that's 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 uh that's what I wanted to talk about. That's that's the kind of stuff I, I want to make people aware of what it's like for a business owner to do business. And then then uh, let's uh, fast forward to, you know, the coronavirus hits and you yeah. guys were about ready to re- open up. And then, you know, you got the I see you guys got the you know, where you could have outdoor stuff. Yes. Uh, dining. Yeah. So you, I, I saw that you guys had, uh, you know, I, you guys had invested in the patio heaters. So that was another big expense, I assume, for all the patio oh, yeah. heaters and that kind of oh, yeah, stuff. Like $200 per, and we got yeah. maybe six or seven of them. So, you know, over a thousand, about, you know, $1,200, yeah. $1,400 more or less. Um, and then, you know, we, you also, part of the, part of the restrictions, uh, or I guess the demands, I'd rather say, of, of uh, the city, if the, you know, to do this, quote, alfresco dining, that's what they're calling it here in LA, mm-hmm. um, is, you know, you need to have, certain coverings you need to have like a canopy over overhead um you know the seating like the distance and seating i understand right you know every table has to be six or seven feet apart or whatever it is yeah um and yeah you know they they have their demands that are in place that you just kind of have to comply with there's there's really Mm -hmm. there's no choice if i want to open and i want to operate i you know i kind of have to just like uh abide by whatever the you know the overlords say for us you know Uh, and there's yeah go ahead it's it seems kind of arbitrary in the sense of like um mm-hmm. like how they would have certain things open i saw a lady on tv yesterday that had you know had uh, her restaurant was closed down or her bar but they had somebody filming outside and they had catering trucks right there and everybody was all piled around them and stuff yeah, like I that saw so that. it's really yeah so yeah. it's really really uh i don't know i don't see how they could justify closing people down especially so when played- i mean go hmm. ahead I was just yeah, saying, to, like play, to could, play devil's advocate, to play devil's advocate mm-hmm. for for that particular case, I did a little research on that also because I was it was infuriating to see. Um, mm-hmm. Apparently, these filming uh, these film crews have, or they at least like they do tests for their staff daily, which yeah. I don't know how how true that is or whatever. But like if I guess you know whatever whatever the case may be, that's their answer to you know if someone's going to complain about it, they'll be like, oh, we're doing it safely, you know, mm-hmm. um, and. I get, you know, they probably have the resources to do so. These film studios can, you know, have endless pockets to some degree and kind of do whatever they want just so the show will continue to go on. I can't imagine any way that kind of, you know, treatment would be available for restaurants, even if I had the resources to do that sort of thing, test yeah. my employees daily. Yeah, that's a Ralph, our engineer, he, his dad works in the, in the, in the, in the, I don't know what part of that, but he, yeah, so he does that. So he said, yeah, that's, that's one of the things that they do is they do have testing for all that. Right. So, so yeah. And so what, what's up with the coverings? Why do they, why do they have to have coverings over the top? I don't know. I think, I mean, I want to say it has something to do with, they, uh, it seems like that would trap virus in. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. I actually don't know. I mean, there, there, there are a handful of different rules, but um, you know, that, that was one of them. I can't remember what, the, I don't know exactly what the reasoning is for it. Um, I want to say it's for the sun, you know, like just so people uh-huh. have shaded area, but I, I can't imagine that has anything to do with the virus. Um, uh-huh. But I will say to the, you know, I guess if I could say to the city's credit, they were very quick in the process of getting the alfresco thing approved. You know, I, I submitted uh-huh. the application and within 
you know, I guess relatively quick within a week, I got it approved and I was like, okay, I can, I can at least open outdoors without any issues. Um, yeah. And same with the ABC. It took them two days to approve my ability to serve alcohol outside. Uh -huh. um, as far as things, you know, moving through uh, the government go, a, you know, a couple of days in a week is, is a lightning quick pace, you know, as opposed <laughs> <Sure> to, <is. laughs> as opposed to the six months it would take to get a certain set of plans approved. Yeah. Now, so how have they have they basically said that you can't open up until the end of December? Now, is that is that what the the orders are at the moment? Well, there might be something new coming out tomorrow, but as of today, what is it, December seventh, Monday? Yeah. Um, as of today, we can't open outdoors until God, it was three weeks. I think it's December. I think not next Wednesday. Excuse me, but the following, perhaps. Um, uh -huh. And then, regardless, I, I think. You know, we can't do anything until the the stay at home order is lifted. So even if LA County Health decides that, um, you know, yes, we can do outdoor dining, the state's rules will supersede that, I think. And until those are lifted, we're still kind of only doing takeout and delivery. And I don't need to tell okay, you. So you I are think, doing you know, the takeout and delivery. And yeah, stuff. we're doing the takeout and delivery, but it's not the same. You know, it's no. it's a fraction, a fraction of the business that it normally yeah, would I be. Imagine, and, yeah, I mentioned it's really yeah. small. Because people want to come in, they want to, you know, they want to have a glass of wine, they want to hang out and take their time and get, an, you know, an extra side of pita or whatever it is. But, um, and I get calls literally every day, Sean, every single day, are you guys doing outdoor dining? And I'll say no, but, you know, you want to do takeout or delivery? And they'll just be like, no, we'll find a restaurant that has outdoor dining. I'm like, all right, yeah. good luck to you, you know? So that's yeah, what yeah. the people, there's a demand for it, you know? That, that I'd say that's the frustrating thing is because, you know, like for me, I don't, I personally think it should be about your personal responsibility and your personal comfort level. You know, you're, you're there in the middle of it. So it's not like you're some corporate giant sitting there, you know, letting the plebs, you know, go out and work. So you're, you're doing everything to keep everybody safe. When I went to your restaurant, I didn't feel unsafe at all. You know, everybody yeah. was distancing, uh, you know, everything was good. You know, uh, the, the atmosphere was nice and I wish they would let that stay there. And if you, if you felt uncomfortable with it and you felt it was dangerous, I'm sure you would probably try to do something different. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You don't want to get sick. You don't want your parents to get sick because I, you know, I met your mom and dad. They were there. Yeah. Uh, and you know, you gotta take care of them too. So, and you oh, yeah. you definitely don't want your customers checking out and dying. You know, so you know, you're <laughs> always going to be trying to keep them safe. So I I, I hate yeah, that they make it mandatory. That that stuff just drives me out of my mind. It wouldn't be good business for me to not have a safe environment for my employees right. and for yeah. my and for and for the customers who come in. You know, so. You know, my girlfriend and I drove up to Sequoia uh, a few weeks ago, and, you know, there was a few breweries up there, and some of them, you know, they all had outdoor spacing, but we went by one of them, and nobody was wearing masks. The people working there weren't wearing masks, and they said, all right, I mean, the, to each their own. Let them do that. I'm not going in there, though. Sure. You know, so, uh, you know, and then we found one that did. We went there. We were comfortable, and we didn't die in the process of it. So that, Exactly. You know, you know, the market has made the decision at that point. You know what I mean? Like you are mm -hmm. the marketplace and you, the customer has decided like, this probably isn't the place for me. And then eventually yeah. that business owner may see or may not see that like, okay, this isn't a viable model for me in these times to not have yeah. whatever, a quote unquote safe environment with masks and temperature checks and all that stuff. And so they might pivot or they're going to have to, or die. That's kind of like the, yeah. that's the libertarian logic, right? I mean, adapter yeah. or, you know, yeah. I mean, I don't you know, know that, coming that, from a layman's perspective, but yeah, the, the way libertarians, I, I think it because, you know, a lot of, you know, progressives, you know, Democrats and Republicans, they all promise that they're going to make everything okay. 
libertarians are the ones that say, you know, we don't know, we can't, you know, you have to make your own decisions. And, and we do give people the, the ability to fail. If a business doesn't want to follow those rules and they want to try it out, they might fail miserably. You know, that's my point. And, yeah. you know, and, but, the, you know, it might work for them. So you never know. There might be a group of people that, you know, just stick their guns and, you know, maybe they're all young. They go there and they get it and they don't, they don't, you know, they're asymptomatic <laughs> and it doesn't bother them a bit. Yeah. So sure. that's, that's the way I would say is just the force aspect. And I can't imagine like, uh, I mean, I, it's, it's amazing how many businesses have closed down because of the lockdowns and they're just, they oh, yeah. won't be back. You know, yeah. it's amazing that you guys have been able to stay open. That's probably a lot to do with the fact that you guys were able to do a lot of that work on your own. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a huge part of it. And listen, I mean, this is, you know, this this time period is definitely hurting for all of us. Yeah. I will be okay. You know what I mean? I, I don't mean to, I will be fine. But my employees uh -huh. are the ones who are really suffering the most, you know, because yeah. it doesn't make sense for me to bring in servers and bussers only for takeout. It doesn't make sense for me to bring in even my cook for a full shift because, I mean, I can do majority of the prep myself. And if I really uh, needed an extra hand, you know what I mean? Like I could pull off pretty much this whole operation because of how little business there is these days myself. Uh, and then if I wanted some extra help, I'd bring in a cook, you know, for a couple hours. I, it, uh -huh. it doesn't, so, so they're the ones who are really being hurt the most by, by these, you know, restrictions. And I don't, you know, again, know too much about the politics of it, but like, if you want to help, you know, the greater good than the most amount of people, then you wouldn't put, you know, again, the, the most amount of people in a position where they don't have work, you know? So out of, out of six or seven people that are, that are, um, that are kind of feeding off the mazel, my restaurants, like, you know, success, right? Me and the rest mm -hmm. of my employees, the one who's going to be in the best, the best position to survive all this will be me because uh -huh. I, you know, I can do everything on my own. It's my employees yeah. that don't really have any, any choice right now. And, 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 you know, I'll be hurt in the long run because they're going to look for other jobs at some point, you know, they can't survive on, unemployment or on the limited limited hours that i can afford to give them right now and so when this is all said and done i'm gonna have to find a brand new staff until the next uh -huh. lockdown and then it's a whole new cycle you know so how, how was it like uh what like how did your employees feel about like when they heard it was going to be a lockdown i assume they were probably bummed out about it because they were obviously wanting to and willing to work absolutely yeah, yeah no they were they were quite upset um and i told them you know i wasn't going to leave them i wasn't going to leave them out to dry uh i have been bringing in like you know, one employee a day, just literally to do random odd jobs. Get some like, hours. Yeah, just to give them some hours and like, you know, literally just, I, I mopped the floors like five days last week. You know what I mean? I just, <laughs> you know, clean the, because everything is clean at this point. I have nothing else yeah. to, you know, nothing's getting dirty. <laughs> Nobody's coming in. Um, yeah. But, you know, I'm just giving them some time. But yeah, they, they're kind of desperate for work. I know, you know, a friend of a friend does like Christmas lights. So I recommended two of my busters like, hey, you know, reach out to my, to my guy over here and do that for the next couple of weeks until, you know, work uh -huh. picks up. They all, they all want to come in. They all want to work. They all want to do stuff. It's just not there for them. And I wish, I wish that I could give them more, you know what I mean? But yeah. it doesn't make business sense for me to do so at, at a certain point, you know? Yeah. I think that's one of the things that I keep, you know, my uh, friends who are really pro lockdown are saying, oh, well, we got to protect the workers. And I was like, I, I think you're, you're not speaking for all the workers in that sense. Cause yeah. there's a, a lot of people who do really want to get out there and work eh, in a safe environment. Obviously if the, if the, sure. if they didn't feel the environment was safe, then yeah, then they, then they have that opportunity to leave and possibly look for something else. But I mean, that's not, like I said, I, I really enjoyed your spot. I think it's a really nice area. Thank and you. Uh, like I said, I, I felt very safe there. And I, you know, I've only been out to eat twice since, uh, since March and both times were at your place. So that's, oh, a, no that's way. Wow, thank you. That's... Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> the only two places I've gone out.
That's you really know, nice so, to hear. I'm, I'm on yeah. it in touch. So thank yeah. you. Yeah. So, so I, uh, a little bit brighter note, I, uh, you guys did all the woodwork in there too, like the tables and the chairs and stuff, didn't you? There, uh, literally everything. Well, the chairs, we made the bar stools. I found the chairs like secondhand. And so oh, the chairs, turned, okay. We turned like half of the chairs into bar stools by chopping off the legs and then building uh -huh. like long wrought iron legs um, uh -huh. that my dad and I did with my uncle, actually, who's a blacksmith. And so we kind of like welded those as a, as a team, the three of us, and, um, you know, extended normal chairs into like 32 inch bar stools. But everything else we did ourselves, uh, the floors, which are like, you know, concrete epoxy, we buffed all the concrete floors ourselves. We built the bar, which is a 42 foot long resin table. Um, which uh -huh. I don't know if you're familiar with like those resin, like acrylic tables, but that was uh -huh. a serious project in and of itself. That took me, that took us maybe like a month, month and a half of just that's the bar inside, itself. Right? That's inside. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's yeah, the other I thing. No one's ever going to see yet. all the work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but all the tables we did, all the tables that, you know, you were sitting at, um, mm -hmm. those we did ourselves. I did all the artwork myself all over the bar. So there's all sorts of paintings and murals and stuff. That was, that was my quarantine nice. project where I was stuck with, <laughs> you know, waiting for the, my plans to get approved. I painted. Um, uh -huh. and then, and then all the all the bones of the building, you know, we did the plumbing, the electrical, like I said, um, and that was quite the father son project. Let me tell you, if uh, if we weren't tired tired of each other before, we definitely were at the end of it. Oh, hold on one sec. I think my uh, thing popped in. It's trying to tell me something. Oh, okay. I think they gave us extra time because I think I went a little long there. Oh, okay. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, sorry. Uh, so I lost, I lost kind of what you were saying. Cause I was, uh, it's okay. my, yeah. my thing I, was, my screen was screaming in my ear. <laughs> okay. Do you want me to, I, well, basically I mean to wrap up that point was that, yeah, we, we did everything ourselves. Um, like, like I said, you know, all the bare bones of the building and we, we stuck out the building. We completely upgraded the whole, as far as tenant mm -hmm. improvement goes, we, we took this place from, from rags to riches for sure. And it was, uh, quite an investment on, um, you know, in terms of time, money, effort, literal blood, sweat, and tears all across the board. Mm -hmm. And again, it was just my dad and I, and then every now and then some of his employees. Um, so it was a real, you know, this was th some of the, you know, hate that I've been getting from people is that they think that I'm, you know, some corporate entity um, yeah. <laughs> that set up this business here. And it's actually really funny. Uh, if I may go on a, like a slight tangent here, is that what, you know, when I first Please opened do. up, like maybe <laughs> two or three, yeah, two or three like days after I opened, I got a one-star Yelp review and I was shocked. I was like, oh my goodness, what could have possibly happened? We just opened, you know? And uh, some woman left a, left a review and said something like, this place claims to be a family business, um, but they're actually not. And then she posted a screenshot of, you know, I registered as a corporation in the state of California. So she Googled the name of the business and she found that, you know, Talazite, uh, you know, issued general stock, uh, 10,000 shares or whatever to basically to myself, you know, but she saw that the business was filed as a corporation. So she assumed, she saw the word corporation. She assumed... I must be like, you know, Darden you industry, you know evil. what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. No, literally that. And, and I saw this review. I was like, my goodness, like you clearly have no understanding of like how, you know, businesses no. work and how some people form, you know, there's an LLC, there's a, you know, there could be a sole proprietorship and there could be a corporation. You know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. so uh, I, I don't need to explain to you, but yeah, I, I saw that and I was dumbfounded. So I like reported it to Yelp and thankfully they took it down, but yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so, so I've been getting some hate that like, uh, you know, I must be some big industry company and <laughs> it's just, it's literally just me. And then my, my dad helped me build it and my mom helped me put the menu together and, and that's it. And I got a couple of employees and I do, we do everything ourselves, you know? That's nice. So do you want to say anything about the, you know, talk about the restaurant, what kind of food and everything you have before yeah, we uh, yeah, sure. wrap up or sure. anything? So, 
I'd sure, like to hear sure, about sure. all Thanks. that natural wine too, because I, I don't, oh, I don't yeah. really know what that means. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll explain that in a little bit, but basically we're, okay. we're an Israeli vegetarian restaurant. Um, so that's another thing. Actually, if I may go on one more tangent, we're vegetarian yeah. because in order to, to serve meat, we need to have an open flame, like a stovetop, right? In order to have a stovetop, you need a, um, you need a hood, right? To catch all the steam and whatnot. Um, but in order to have a hood, the plumbing department, building and safety, and everybody else included, requires that the whole building has a sprinkler system. So, so not just not just in the restaurant, but in the but in every single unit of the building. And and the building where the restaurant is 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 a mixed use building. So there are four apartment buildings above it, and there's another commercial unit right next to it. So we'd have yeah. to basically gut the entire building to move it from oh, a vegetarian shit. restaurant. So, so that's, you know, maybe a project for one day down the line, or maybe we just keep it vegetarian. But anyways, yeah. Israeli vegetarian restaurant, uh, we make all of our own spreads in house, like, you know, if you like hummus or tahini, madbucha, baba ganoush, things like that. Um, you know, we make that all here. Um, tons of salads and great vegetable options. And then, yeah, the, the, the real, you know, pull factor and kind of what I want the place to be is like a little bit of a bar where you can come and hang out. And that's why we have a great list of natural and organic wines from all over the place. Uh, like all over the world, uh, so a couple of domestic options and then tons of stuff from uh, from France, Europe, Spain, et cetera, and uh, and then some beers from uh, from SoCal. So a lot of craft stuff from uh, San Diego. A couple options here, local to LA, and one in Ventura also. And then I got one. I brought one imported beer from Israel because I got to stay true to theme. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of the spiel. And you know, we're we're a stone's throw away from Dodger Stadium, as you know. So it'd be a cool spot to come before or after a game or something to get a beer or something. Uh, really yeah. close to Staples Center, obviously, LA State Historic Park. So, you know, it's a, it's a cool little spot that I'm super proud of. Um, you know, I put my heart and soul into it. I love the food and it's all stuff that uh, my mom and I, you it know, made. very good. Growing up. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's all, it's all the food. What you, what you ate every time you came is basically what I was built on. That, those are, those are the meals that I have growing up. So, <laughs> oh, so nice. it's a, uh, yeah, it's 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 a real cool operation. I'm like I said, I'm extremely proud of it. Um, but but yeah, I mean the wine spiel between you and me, and again all the listeners. I mean natural wine, natural is kind of a buzzword in the industry. I mean it's yeah. you know it's it's kind of like a, a a branding thing as well. It doesn't really mean much. Organic is more like the the term that you know uh-huh. that would be more important. But that basically means there's there's very little added in the fermentation process. Um, uh-huh. It's kind of like a just a very traditional way of making wine. Um, uh-huh. what that means is usually the wine, once it's open, doesn't really last as long as it normally would, but, um, mm-hmm. but it's delicious. I mean, you can really taste the difference, I think, between an organic wine or a bio, um, what's sort of looking for a biodynamic wine, as opposed to just like, you know, Sutter home or something you might buy at Costco or Ralph's or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I would say a bottle of wine doesn't last long around me once it's open anyhow. So I don't, I don't have to worry <laughs> yeah, about join, it going back. Join the club. Yeah. You and me both, Sean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's that Irish blood in me, man. I, I want to. I'm going to drink my alcohol as soon as it's open. Yeah, I respect <laughs> it. That's what it's about, right? If you smoke yeah, it, if you yeah. got them, you know? Yeah. yeah, hell yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the restaurant. I mean, our website is mazel.la, so M-A-Z-A-L dot L-A, like dot Los Angeles. Uh, mazel.com was taken, and the guy who uh, who had it wanted to sell wanted to sell it to me for like, like $100,000 or something like that, and I was like, you're out of your goddamn mind. I think I'm going to pay that much. So, <laughs> yeah. so we pivoted to mazel.los angeles and the uh, the Instagram handle is also mazel.la. So it's kind of, you know, it works out all across the board. So you can find me there. And, you know, I manage everything. I'm very accessible. You know, if you email info at mazel, it comes to me. If you DM the Instagram account, it comes to me. And if you if you show up at the door, I'm there seven days a week. So anybody's upset with me yes, at the end he of this is. podcast, they can, come, they can come find me, you know? Yeah. And I, and I highly recommend it. You know, got to support the local businesses. And, uh, 
have some good healthy food in the process of it. Thanks, Sean. Yeah, that's the idea. Yeah. That's what we're here for. Yep. So, well, did you have anything else that you wanted to cover? We should, can we wrap it up then? Uh, think that, no, good? I think that's it. I just wanted to say thank you again for having me on. I hope, you know, the listeners got something out of it. I have, you know, plenty more stories in the bank of how frustrating it is to open a restaurant in LA, but we can save those for versions two and three and beyond. I'm yeah. Yeah. We can check in, in a back couple on of weeks to see how it is if the, with the, with the, uh, with the uh, post lockdown stuff. With the post, One thing I, well, I guess I could, I could, I could say is, how do you feel about like, say, Mayor Garcetti? You know, I guess he just got a, he just <laughs> got a tap to be the uh, vice chair of Biden's uh, inaugural uh, event. So you know, he gets to run off and fly around and do all this stuff. And uh, I will, I let everybody know that there are protests going on outside of Garcetti's house every day. So that there are. Yes, there, there definitely are. Um, well, I, how do I feel about him? Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know how to say this without like being politically incorrect, but um, it's listen. It, it was already a frustrating process opening a business before Mary Garcia <laughs> was in here. You know, my parents came to this country like thirty years ago, and they've uh, had difficult processes al along the way. And let's just yeah. say Mary Garcia hasn't made anything any easier for anybody. <laughs> As far as I know, yeah. you know, I'm still waiting yeah. to hear a, a positive story. So, yeah, um, Garcetti and Governor Nuisance—they're both on our on our libertarian shit list. Yeah, well, they're they're <laughs> both on my shit not list happy as well. With them. <laughs> yeah, not, none of us are, trust me. Yeah, yeah. So, well, thank you very much, Tall. I appreciate you coming and uh, coming on our uh, first podcast here, and uh, I wish you all the best of luck, and hope to see you very soon when you when they uh, allow me to come down and see you again. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. I appreciate it. Looking forward to it. All right. Man. See you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.